before I get started, and since it is church anniversary, I want to give you all a quick throwback story before we get started on the message. So as you all know, some stories have been in circulation about me as a kid growing up in Door Faith that I've been kicked out of the choir, tape ministry, usher board, you know, whatever, whatever. But what happened was I ended up coming back as a musician to the choir. I know a lot of y'all don't know the story. It's church anniversary, so this is from the Hidden Archives. So what happened is I hadn't played the trumpet since I was in high school. So for whatever reason, it dawned on me, you know what? I want to serve, right? So I came to the church. I brought my trumpet, and it was choir rehearsal. Now, if you're asking if I was a musician, the answer is no. If you're asking if I had permission from pastor to play my trumpet at church, the answer was no. And if the choir was expecting me to preach with a trumpet, the answer is also no. But what happened was, uh, Renee was playing some song, and she was like, when you're ready, just, just jump on in. When you're ready, just jump on in. So I'm like, all right, I'll do that. I sounded horrible. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. It sounded bad. So what ends up happening after this, Renee, you know, being nice and sweet, she was like, don't worry about it. Let's just, let's just tune your instrument. Let's just play the scale, right? Maybe my trumpet was out of tune. Now, I don't know if a trumpet needs to be tuned or not, because, again, I'm not a musician. So I was like, you know what, let's just do it. So <laughs> the scale goes like do, re, mi, fi. I didn't even get that far. I think by the time I got to do, re, mi, it sounded so bad that it was just like you could hear the choir members sneaking and laughing. So I, <laughs> I put my head down, and I made an executive decision. I was like, you know what? This ain't what God called me to do. I put my trumpet up, click, click. I walked out. I never looked back. But as much as that was an epic fail, I want y'all to know that I hold the record as the only trumpet player in the Door Faith ministry. So <laughs> happy church anniversary. <laughs> okay, so let's get right to the word. Today's topic, I'm going to be talking about hearing and believing. So we're going to start with 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10. And I think about putting a message together when you follow Pastor Crump. It's, uh, it's a big shadow that he cast. And it's a lot of information to try to put together. But we're going to do our best to get through this. So I want you all to be patient with me. I'm not a public speaker, but I'm going to do my best. So 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10, it says, In those days, when the boy Samuel was serving the Lord under the direction of Eli, there were very few messages from the Lord, and visions from him were quite rare. And one night, Eli, who was now almost blind, was sleeping in his own room. Samuel was sleeping in the sanctuary where the sacred covenant box was. Now, before dawn, I'm reading from the Good News translation. So he answered, yes, sir, and he ran to Eli, and he said, you called me. Here I am. But Eli answered, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord called Samuel again. Now, the boy did not know that it was the Lord because the Lord had never spoken to him before. He said it again. The boy did not know that it was the Lord because the Lord had never spoke to him before. So he got up, he went to Eli and said, you called me, here I am. But Eli answered, my son, I didn't call you, go back to bed. So the Lord called Samuel a third time. He got up, went to Eli and said, you called me, here I am. And Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to him, go back to bed. If he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. The Lord came, and he stood there. 
and then he called as he had before. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, speak, for your servant is listening. So when we read that passage, what do we know so far? Well, we know that God called Samuel, but Samuel didn't know the voice of the Lord, even though he was ministering before the Lord with Eli. We also know that Eli was so familiar with the voice of God that he understood the patterns that Samuel was hearing without hearing it himself. He was even able to advise Samuel on how to respond to the voice that he was hearing. Number three, although Samuel was not familiar with the voice of God, God was still patient with him. Number four, God never revealed the message to him until after Samuel could acknowledge his voice and submitted himself to listen. Number five, Samuel was only able to hear God after he accepted the counsel of Eli. So just say, don't forsake godly counsel. Thank you for those two people that's listening. I appreciate that. But what can we learn from this? God spoke to Samuel because Samuel was in position to hear. And that's really, really important. So I want y'all to say, surroundings matter. We need to position ourselves where we don't just hear his voice, but to know it well enough to know when it's God and when it's not. Say, position matters. We tend to take a back seat because we feel like everyone else has the ear to hear God except us, the preacher, the evangelist, your mother, your grandmother. But God wants to speak to you. His voice is always transmitting. Say transmitting. God wants to build relationship with you, with me. But see, oftentimes what happens is we fall victims to relying on outside sources. And then we say, oh, no, God told me this. God told me that because it makes us feel good, or it fits the narrative of what we already wanted to do anyway. And that's not God, that's flesh. Flesh will talk if you feed it, flesh will talk if you don't. It's always transmitting. And we like to blame the devil to avoid accountability, but like we you know, heard in first service, the devil's already been defeated. It's our flesh and our own lustly desires that we have to fight on a daily basis. Because our spirit and our flesh they're always at war with each other, daily. Both your spirit and your flesh, they're constantly transmitting. They're both gonna offer you direction and they're both gonna try to guide you. And you can follow after the spirit or you can follow after the flesh. If you follow after the spirit, it leads you to eternal life. But when you follow after the flesh, it takes you to death and separation from God. Now, if you've been following the current series that pastor's been teaching on, he showed us that we have two responsibilities as believers and that's to hear and believe. If we can't hear God, we can't use faith to believe God because faith comes how? By hearing the word of God, that's Romans 10, 17. So what are some things that prevent us from hearing God? Number one, our surroundings. So remember, God spoke to Samuel because Samuel was in position to hear. Now, if we're not able to hear God, we gotta first check our surroundings. Now, the things that we surround ourselves with, the people we surround ourselves with, the people that we spend time with, all these things starts to contribute to whether we can hear God clearly or not. In most cases, it's shocking if we can even know his voice at all because of our surroundings. It's like trying to hear somebody at a concert. If somebody were to yell your name right now and you were in the middle of a concert, you, you didn't really hear, you think you hear, you may look, but you're not really certain, so you go back to the concert. But I know my wife. 
if my wife was in the concert and my wife yells my name, I know who I'm looking for because I heard her voice. I know my wife's voice because we built relationship. You understand what I'm saying? We know each other. We're familiar with each other. And that's what God wants. He wants to make sure that you know his voice and that the message is clear. See, when the message is not clear, it creates misinformation and it puts you in a position to guess what you heard, to assume what was said, and to rely on your own interpretations for clarity. I'm going to say that one more time. When the message is not clear, it creates misinformation. It puts you in a position to guess what you heard and to assume what was said, to rely on your own interpretation for clarity. Now, spiritually, this is dangerous. It's dangerous to guess at what you think God said. It's dangerous to act on what you think he could have told you to do. It's costly to make assumptions and rely on your own interpretation when it comes to directions for your life. Now, last week, Pastor added that there's some people that you're just going to have to distance yourself from. There's just going to be some people that just can't go where you're going. Now, if their influence is great enough, they'll start to get you to follow man's wisdom and completely ignore the voice of God. Now, from the example that we use with Samuel, imagine if Samuel heard the voice of God, went back to Eli, but Eli wasn't able to discern that it was God talking to Samuel. How long do you think God would have kept calling Samuel before it drove him crazy? How long do you think God would have kept calling him before he was convinced that this was some kind of game or prank? How long do you think God would continue to call him before he started to pray that God removed the unknown voice? This is why surroundings matter. Until you can know the voice of God for yourself, you have to heed to godly counsel. Submit yourself under a pastor that can actually help you grow in the word and not just tell you what you want to hear. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's right. And not hearing what the preacher thinks. If the gospel is not being preached, just throw the whole church away. So what are some things that actually prevent us from hearing God? Number two, influences. So like a radio, there's always a signal because God is always transmitting. And your flesh is always transmitting. But which one are you going to tune into? Can't hear two stations at once. Now, the station that you choose to listen to was a station that you give permission to influence you. Now, I don't have any tuning forks up here, but I use my hands. So have you ever seen a set of tuning forks? So if you strike a tuning fork, it creates a single pitch that causes the second tuning fork or the receiver to resonate at the same pitch without touching it. This is called resonance. So let me explain. If I had a tuning fork and somebody hit it and it starts to resonate, another tuning fork with the same, the same tuning fork in another position will start to resonate. And you've never touched this one. That's what resonance is. So because we are souls and we live in earthly bodies, we're like the receivers. And there's only two signals, okay, that's going to influence you, your spirit and your flesh. And we're going to resonate to one or the other, and there's no in-between. So how you move, how you act, how you resonate, that's evidence of who you're in alignment with. So when you live for God, your actions, your conversation, your attitude is all going to display that. If you've never seen a tuning fork that, like we may not see the tuning fork that started the signal, but we can tell how you resonate, right? Because you'll vibrate to that pitch. It's like the disciples who followed Jesus during the time of the crucifixion. No matter how they denied knowing him, people knew that they were followers of Jesus because their speech betrayed him. They walked like him, they talked like him, 
They lied and said, we don't know them, but their speech betrayed them because they spent too much time in his presence. So when you are a follower of sin and you walk in disobedience and you walk with evil and you do things after the flesh, what you're doing is you can say, oh, I'm in Christ. You know, you can say God is in control. You know, you can wear a Jesus necklace with cross tattoos, with sandals, you know, bought from Jerusalem, but your walk still betrays you. Your speech betrays you. Your actions are proof of who you resonate with. If you like sin, if you like ungodliness, it'll be in the pitch. So we may not know who influences you, but we can tell by the way you resonate because the tuning fork can only resonate to a signal when it's in the presence of the source. So stay, I want y'all to say, stay in God's presence. I'm telling you, that is more important than you think. So continue to bear with me. Like I said, I'm not a public speaker, but you know, it's a lot of information I'm trying to pack out. Now, the thing that makes the Samuel reference important, for one, is that he wasn't that old at this point. God still called him. So communication with God is not about your age. It's not about how old you are. Because what we see here is that there had to be a level of spiritual maturity, not just to hear God, but to be able to handle the information. So the third reason I want to give you that prevents us from hearing God is spiritual immaturity. Now, most of us have children. I'm new to the club. But one thing about children is that everything happens in stages. So when a child is born, they're completely dependent on a milk diet because they don't have teeth to chew and they, they don't have the ability to handle other things. And you wouldn't give a baby coffee. You wouldn't give it a spoonful of honey. Fruit, we all know that it's healthy with a ton, you know, ton of benefits, but if you give it to a child before he's ready, he'll choke. The benefits in the fruit, that's nothing for the baby if the baby can't handle it. When we first come to Christ, we know the process is being born again, right? Being born again makes us babes in Christ. And this is when we first learn the word, we first learn how to apply the word, even learning how to hear and how to understand God's voice. It's a process because everything happens in stages. We all also grow differently at different stages, right? Just like you will have a kid who could be four feet his whole life. By high school, he sprouts to six feet, right, almost overnight. We accept this concept because we understand that growth happens. It's supposed to happen. So the issue comes if by the age 21, this kid is still four feet, crying for a bottle of breast milk to go with a jar of Gerber, because we know that the lack of growth becomes obvious. We can look at that and we can tell something's wrong. Something somewhere is not happening the way it's supposed to. Even if the person grew to be six feet physically, if you're still sucking on a pacifier, asking for a sippy cup, then we know that their mindset never grew up. So it's proof that there's no mental maturity. The legal term for this is called a disability. So spiritually, this is equivalent to coming to Christ, being saved your whole life, and you never change. To have access to the word, but you never allow it to take root. You sit for years under a ministry when you taught the word, and in the moment something bad happens, you fall apart. You never retained anything. You grew physically, but you spiritually disabled. Now, if you talk to a baby, you can read him the Constitution, you can even read him a comic book, but the baby can't process a thing you said because they're not able to understand proper context. All they know is emotions, happy, sad, sleepy, hungry, and not always in that order. Now, if you're a happy person, or if you're always a negative person, a baby can tell, they pick up on that, they feed on that, because babies communicate 
for emotions. So like many believers, we tend to find church homes that make us feel good because we're emotionally driven. But this also shows us where we are spiritually because we're not supposed to be driven by our emotions. We are supposed to be walking by faith. And faith comes how? By hearing the word of God. Now, we know a lot of churches, they cater to the women, or they cater to the emotions, or they cater to how you feel, they cater to your wallet. But it requires spiritual maturity of that member to realize that, you know what, this might have been good for me when I first started out in the faith, but I need something more. I need more substance. I need more than just milk at this point, you know? I, I pray that is. I thank God that I was able to find a church that meet me on my level when I just started. But now I need something more than a one-size-fits-all one message, you know? But when you get to that point, that's spiritual maturity. When you realize this is not enough for me anymore. I need the word. I need, I need more. At some point, you just got to have more. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, I'm also staying with the good news for a little bit. It says, this much we have to say about this matter but it's hard to explain to you because you are so slow to understand. There has been enough time for you to be teachers, yet you still need someone to teach you the first lessons of God's message. Now, instead of eating solid food, excuse me, you still have to drink milk. Anyone who has to drink milk is still a child without any experience in the matter of right or wrong. Solid food, on the other hand, is for adults who, through practice, are able to distinguish between good and evil. Now, the ability to distinguish what's right and what's wrong, as the Bible just said, requires practice. And if you sit under the word long enough, you start to understand what's acceptable and what's not. So if you're sitting under the word over time, you can't help but grow, which is what this ministry is all about, is making sure that you stay under the word over time to help you grow. Now, as kids, we learn arithmetic. I'm assuming everybody's learned arithmetic. Okay? Okay. By 12th grade, we shouldn't still be struggling with arithmetic. We could blame the teachers, but the responsibility falls on us because we weren't applying ourselves and we're not practicing like we need the information. So, knowing the difference between right and wrong requires practice. Living a godly life is not just a Sunday experience. Living a godly life is a daily walk, and a daily walk takes practice. So practice is how you develop habits. Practicing requires effort. Habits become second nature. The more you practice something, the more it becomes second nature. So if you practice walking by faith, if you practice reading your word, praying for understanding, over time, you'll grow in those areas. No one has to tell you to do these things. And when you forget something, the Holy Spirit will bring things back to your remembrance because you've practiced that. You've learned that. You've allowed it to take root. But see, here's the thing. You can't remember something you've never learned. Now, if you practice sin, if you practice selfishness, if you practice living for yourself, sticking to the bare minimum of what God wants, you'll develop a habit of being spiritually mediocre. You'll never be in a position to teach or help anyone else because you've never left the milk diet. Now, if you take it upon yourself to preach, if you feel compelled to be a preacher, or you take on mentoring, all you can do is preach different ways to drink milk. Now, let's talk about believing real quick and why it's important to believe God when you hear the word. So a simple example that I put in here is that if you don't have fuel, you can't drive your car. 
You can't drive the car. It doesn't serve the purpose for which you bought it. That's easy to understand, right? So it's the same thing as saying that it takes faith to believe God, and without faith you can't please God. So Romans 10, 17 says, so then, faith comes from hearing the message. This is also good news. And the message comes through preaching Christ. So if we preach to your flesh, right, your spirit goes unfair. If we cater to your emotions, if we, you know, if we waste time, I'm just going to say if we waste time, all we're doing is we're hurting your ability to understand what the voice of God is, and we hinder your ability to learn the word, and you never develop a faith to believe the word. See, the Holy Spirit, he won't even be in position to bring things back to your remembrance because you sat in church and you never learned anything because the word was never preached. Because remember, the spirit and the flesh, they're always at war. Both voices are always transmitting. Now, the voice that you feed, it's going to be stronger. If you feed the flesh more, you remove yourself from God's presence because flesh can't glory in God's presence. So let's look at this thing as tuning forks. If you walk after the flesh, it means that you prefer to resonate with the flesh. Because remember, a tuning fork can only resonate when it's in the presence of that signal. So whose presence are you in? Whose presence are you making a conscious effort every day to say, you know what, I'm going to be in the presence of God, or you know what, I'm just going to be in flesh today. We don't have to judge you. It's not our job to judge you, but we can tell how you resonate by the things you say, by your attitude, by the way you carry yourself. That's why good representation is important as a believer. So Romans 8, 8 through 9, if you're taking notes, this is also in the good news. It says, those who obey their human nature cannot please God, but you do not live as your human nature tells you to. Instead, you live as the Spirit tells you to. If, in fact, God's Spirit lives in you, whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Galatians 5, 16. I'm going to read all the way down to verse 25, and this is also in the good news. It says, what I say is this. Let the Spirit direct your lives, and you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. For what our human nature wants is opposed to what the Spirit wants. And what the Spirit wants is opposed to what our human nature wants. These two are enemies. And this means you cannot do what you want to do. If the Spirit leads you, then you're not subject to the law. What human nature does is quite plain. It shows itself in immoral, filthy, indecent action, in worship of idols, to witchcraft. People become enemies, they fight, they become jealous, angry, and ambitious. They separate into parties and groups. They are envious, they get drunk, have orgies, and they do things like these. I warn you now as I have before, those who do these things will not possess the kingdom of God. But the spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. There is no law against such things as these. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have put death to their human nature with all its passions and its desires. The Spirit has given us life. He must also control our lives. So I hope you all can see that, that if you follow after the flesh, after what your earthly desires want, you can't say that Christ is on the inside because the Christ in you would resonate with the Father because he and his Father are one. So when we die to the flesh and we die to sin, the Scripture says, the Spirit gives us life, and he also must control our lives. 
So how do we get Christ on the inside? How do we allow him to have full control? How do we die to stand in our earthly desires? I'm glad y'all asked. <laughs> First, you got to understand how good you have it. And again, the whole thing about the gospel is understanding that it's the good news. So let me tell you how good you got it. When we first started this message, we started out talking about Samuel and how he was able to hear God. But see, the relationship that he built with God over time is completely different than the relationship offered to you. Christ doesn't just want communication. He wants residence. He wants to dwell in you. See, in the old covenant, you had to enter temples to hear God. In the new covenant, we are his temples. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, know you not that you're that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. He stands at the door and he knocks. He just wants permanent residency. Revelation 3.20 says this. In the good news, it says, listen, I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody hear my voice and opens the door, I will come into their house and eat with them and they with me. Because see, Christ died for all men. All men were saved, but being saved, doesn't mean that you have eternal life. It's a free gift that you have to accept, and it's kind of like a Christmas gift with your name on it. It's under the tree, it costs you nothing, but you have to be the one to receive it. If you walk away and you leave your gift under the tree, it's not God's fault. The reason that a person could easily walk away from a free gift is because they were never told it was theirs. They didn't know that it was free. They didn't know how to look for it. When you sit in a position, when you come to church, you're not being taught the word, you're leaving your gifts under the tree. When you hear the word and you decide you don't believe, you're leaving your gifts under the tree. Never knowing that that gift is eternal life. But see, here's the thing. Everyone wants the benefits of walking after the spirit, but not the responsibility of living right. And once you believe, once you open up the door and you allow Christ to live on the inside, you're giving him control. You're allowing him to clean up the mess. You're saying that I accept this free gift and I want to resonate with the right pitch. But when you have Christ on the inside, you continue to walk after the flesh. What you do is you grieve the Holy Spirit. So having Christ on the inside and still walking after the flesh is like being married and cheating on your spouse. You cheated on your spouse because you didn't honor your spouse. Somewhere there was a lack of respect and a lack of reverence. You weren't ready for the changes or the sacrifices or the responsibilities that marriage required. Instead, you allowed your flesh to desire something your partner wasn't providing. As a result, you brought chaos to your home and you destroyed the family. So in order to be alive in Christ, we have to first die to sin. If we are dead to sin, we can't be sneaking off trying to enjoy it because you can't walk both paths. Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to live in sin so that God's grace will increase? Certainly not. We have died to sin. So then how can we go on living in it? Say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I know it's early. I know it's early. Walking after the Spirit has its own lifestyle. Walking after the flesh has its own lifestyle. But again, you can't walk both paths. The flesh will always take more than it gives. In fact, let me say it like this. Sin will always take more than it gives. Yet the spirit is always given. It's always given. In fact, it doesn't even require you to give. 
It only requires that you receive it, and it requires that you believe it. But it is so much easier to walk after the flesh because we're not educated properly on how good God is or how amazing it is to have Christ on the inside. Why? Because we choose to spend time in places where the gospel is not being preached. We want to leave church feeling good without being convicted to change. We want to sit in church all our lives but never allow the word to take root so we never grow spiritually. Because remember earlier when I mentioned about being spiritually disabled, that's what happens. So how does it help us to attend the church every week for years if we're not going to believe the gospel when it's preached? We're wasting our own time. When we started this message, we read about Samuel. And there's another element to this story that I didn't cover, but I think it fits with this point. It's that Eli was a man of God, and his two sons were priests. However, Eli's sons angered the Lord. So I'm going to read two verses. It's 1 Samuel 2, verse 12, and verse 17. And I'm also reading out of the good news. If y'all wonder why I'm reading out of the good news, it seems like Pastor's been on a good news translation lately. <laughs> so I was like, you know what, let me just put my translation in good news. So verse, 1 Samuel 2, 12 and 17 says, the sons of Eli were scoundrels. They paid no attention to the Lord. This sin of the sons of Eli was extremely serious in the Lord's sight because they treated the offerings to the Lord with such disrespect. Now, in the New Covenant, what is the offering of the Lord? Anybody? Mm hmm Two people know? No, come on, I want you to tell me. What do you think it is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, come on, come on, let me hear it, let me hear it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our bodies are living sacrifices. But there was another, there was another sacrifice, right? Because I'm talking about offering. Christ in the new covenant was that offering, right? Because he offered himself up as a sacrifice for our redemption. So now the question becomes, how are you treating Christ? See, Eli's sons, they disrespected the offering. They were sleeping with the women of the temple. And the King James said that the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, and they knew not the Lord. So if you don't know who Belial is, it's another name for the devil. But I thought they were priests, yeah. But they knew not the Lord. Preachers, they didn't know the Lord. Their father was Eli. He was a priest. He knew God. He heard from God, right? Yeah, but Eli didn't correct his sons. And because of that, it angered the Lord. And he punished Eli and his sons. So church status means nothing if you don't know the Lord. All the scriptures you learn, it means nothing if the walk ain't real. Doesn't matter if you pastor a megachurch or if your online ministry reaches millions. If you consistently live, if you continue and consistently, <laughs> consistently, if you consistently live life your way and continue to walk after the flesh, you're going to reap the Holy Spirit. And if your lifestyle, if it resonates with sin, if it resonates with the flesh, and you were never really truly dead to sin in the first place, which means Christ never lived on the inside. You've been lying to yourself. You've been holding your Christmas gift of eternal life, but you never took it home. But when you know who God is, when you develop that relationship with him, when you allow him to dwell on the inside, there's just going to be some things you're not going to want to do no more. Amen. When you hear the word, faith takes root. 
when you start to walk by faith, what you see, it's not going to change how you believe. So pastor's last two messages talked about how the children of Israel complained about everything. And when you're constantly complaining about your situation, it's evidence that you've been walking by sight. See, if Christ is on the inside, he takes full control, which means he now becomes responsible for this temple because his temple belongs to him. He will make sure that my needs are met because the house is his. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now the children of Israel, like we learned last week if you were here, they somehow had an issue with believing. How could they possibly have an issue with belief and they saw God do miracles for them on an everyday basis? It's because their connection with God wasn't based on relationship. It was contingent upon what God could do for them. Now, as God kept doing things, they'd follow. As long as he kept providing, they'd obey. But they never really knew God. Moses was the one who had the relationship with God, and they doubted him every step of the way. The children of Israel were known to be some of the most complainiest, is that a word? <laughs> they were the most complainiest people in the Bible. God would literally perform miracles right before their eyes, and they would still doubt God the next day. In Numbers 11, God rained manna from heaven, and they was just like, that's it? You couldn't rain down some guacamole and some cheese sticks? Angels don't eat cheese sticks. I'm not supposed to eat better with no hot sauce. Y'all ain't got no hot sauce in Egypt, God. You know, God don't like hot sauce. But see, the thing is, as, as crazy as it may sound, we do the same thing to this very day. Because what happens is God answers our prayers, removes a negative doctor's report, gives us a testimony that nobody will believe if they heard it, and we turn right around the next day and walk in doubt and unbelief. So we got to laugh at ourselves, right? Because what happens is we still walk by sight, and we're constantly talking about what we can't do, regardless of the many times God provided for us. Now, at some point, you have to allow Christ to live on the inside and allow him to have full control and just take your hands off the wheel. So that brings me to an example that I want to use if I got enough time. And one of the, one of the things is in 2016, winter, winter of 2016, I was leaving my house and I was going to go visit a friend. And the winter in 2016 in St. Louis was really bad. I mean, it was like the ice covered streets. I mean, it was thick. They had 18 wheelers on the side of the road, cars in the middle of the street, it was bad. I didn't know how bad it was because I live in O'Fallon and O'Fallon is like a paradise. And then the closer you get to St. Louis, the more darker and grimier it gets, right? So I'm driving from O'Fallon to St. Louis. And it's dark outside, it's icy, so everybody's driving slow. Behind me, on my left side, through my rearview mirror, you can see this truck, like a big Ford something, like a real big truck, flying, right? Acting like he putting his four-wheel drive in action, right? He's just zooming. Now, I'm in the fast lane because there was cars stalled on the street. I see this truck coming, so I'm like, you know what? Let me just get over, because I'm not going to speed up. So I got over to the next lane. I'm finna get over one more time, and I saw another truck coming from my right, zooming past, right? So my first instinct was, let me slow down, because this look like it's about to get nasty. And what happened was, what they didn't know was, once you come over this hill on I-64, there was an 18-wheeler 
parked in the fast lane, stalled out, lights off, and it's dark. We didn't see this truck until we got over the hill. Now, mind you, I'm driving slow, so I'm able to watch all this in real time, right? This truck comes over that was on my left, sees an 18-wheeler, slams on his brakes, spins out into the middle lane where I was, still hits the back of the 18-wheeler, runs over like he's going into my lane, but the truck coming this way hits that car, that truck, to send him back to the divider on this end, and that truck hit the divider on this end, and I was able to go right through. I'm telling y'all, this, this thing is real. I don't really tell a lot of people the things that you know, God do for us, and the thing is we gotta build a habit of being able to share our testimonies. Because you never know who need to hear it, you never know how people need it, or if it will be impacted by it. Because the thing about it was, when you keep those kind of testimonies and those things to yourself, it's like, you know how they say the graveyard is the most richest place in the world because it's soiled with ideas and testimonies that will never be released? Don't take your testimony to the grave. Don't, don't. But I brought up that, I brought up that, ex, that uh, example because I want you to know that he, have, he knows what we need before we even ask. I didn't know that I was gonna need him to protect me. Now keep in mind, it's late at night, regardless of if I was going somewhere I was supposed to go or not, it didn't matter. The fact was I was on my way and his hedge of protection was around me. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where I was going, who I was with, or what I was doing. God's protection, his hand, it covers you all. That's what the blood does, it covers you. And we talk about, oh, his, his angels protected. I'm telling y'all, you can't just talk this thing. This has to be a real life walk, a real life talk. And if you're not, if you're not in Christ, I'm telling y'all, that, that may have been completely different. It could have ended completely different. I may not even be standing right here if God hadn't hooked me up. But you have to understand that he is dwelling in us because we're his temple. So again, if we need something, if he knows what we need, what we ask him for, he knows. He knows what we need before we ask. He should know because he knows what's good for us and what's going to hurt us in the long run. So if he's protecting you or keeping you from a, a position or something, he opened doors, but he can also close doors. Not everything good is God, not everything bad is the devil. There are some opportunities that seem like, oh, you know what, God want me to have this. God's like, nah, you're not mature enough for that. If I give you that right now, you're going to get the big head, you're going to start missing out on the word, and you're going to back, go back to your old ways. So that's a no right now. But are you mature enough to handle that and say, you know what? Your no means no. No don't mean let me go ask four or five more people so they can tell me what I want to hear. Sometimes the best thing you can do is stand still. So that leads me to this last, this last point. This is why it is important to build a healthy prayer life. I know it's not easy all the time, but remember, it takes practice, and practice builds habits. And believe it or not, not praying is practicing, not praying, which is why you have a habit of not praying. See, the Holy Spirit, he will help you develop, develop healthy habits if you ask him, but it gotta be something that you want. He's not gonna force this on you. And every time you pray, you gotta pray that you know that he heard you, because he's not up in the cloud somewhere, he's right here right inside you. So if you pray anything, ask him to allow you to hear his voice more clearly. Ask him to help you relinquish control, to 
open your ears so you can hear when the word is being preached, to be able to discern when it's his voice and when it's not. Because it's going to be a lot of this, and you're going to be like, oh, God told me to, no, he didn't. It's your flesh there. You ain't been in the word all week, and all of a sudden, God is just doing this, doing this, doing this. It's your flesh. And it's okay to say, you know what? I think I hear from God, but let me wait on that. Let me wait. Let me not jump to conclusions. Let me just wait. Hearing God clearly is the most important thing that you could possibly do. The reason why I even started with Samuel, because remember, Samuel was in the church. He had never heard from God before. He was operating under a priest, but he had never heard God before. He didn't even know the voice of God. He heard God calling him. He thought somebody else was calling. So it's not far-fetched to believe that as a believer, we're going to miss the mark. It's going to happen. But that's why you have to continue to sit up under the word so you can know what does the word say, not what did somebody tell me. Because the biggest mistake that we make is we say, oh, I need a word. Give me a word. I need a word. Let me go online. Let me find somebody. I need a word. But we fail to realize that his word is the book. That's his word right there. Everything that he wanted to say to you is right there. Now, there's revelation that can open up your understanding to fit every situation in your life. But she's not going to write a new Bible. Everything that he wanted to say is right here. So if somebody's trying to give you the word and they're not giving it from, from the book, throw the whole church away. So, again, we got to be able to discern when it's his voice and when it's not. If we can't hear the word, we can't grow our faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. We don't want to ask him to dwell in our temple and then not make the actual effort to please him with our lifestyle. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by resonating to sin. We want to be in his presence and not just as a Sunday event, but as a lifestyle. Now, I know a church's anniversary, but allow this church to introduce to you a gift. It's a free gift, and it has your name on it. Christ died to make this gift available to you, and it's called eternal life. And if you believe the word is here, keep coming. Keep listening so we can all grow together. My time is up, and I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.